Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, this is Connor. I'm the technical director of Bad Dog Theater and the editor of this podcast. You may notice that things might be a little wacky with this one. We had some technical difficulties during the record, and, you know, it, it was really charming. If you want to see that, you can go on our YouTube channel. Um, but uh, just forgive any weirdness at the beginning is what I ask of you. Anyway, enjoy the show. Welcome to The Fandom Show, the show where we talk to our favorites about their favorites. I'm one of your hosts, Stephanie Malik, And I'm Kai Green, and welcome to The Fandom Show. In today's episode, I am so excited about this topic. We are talking about the princess of power herself, She-Ra. So I know what you're thinking. Uh, didn't that happen in the 80s? And yes, it did. There was a series in the 80s that was originally made so that girls would buy toys. Um, but in 2018... Indie comic book author Noelle Stevenson rebooted the series for DreamWorks and Netflix with a slight title change to She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. The series follows two orphans, Katra and Adora, raised by the evil horde. Hint, hint, they're not the good guys. Uh, the two go from best friends to enemies when Adora adopts her destiny as the She-Ra and begins fighting alongside the Princesses of Power. This show has been lauded for its POC and LGBTQ plus representation and has brought the franchise into a new era. Big warning, this episode has major spoilers for the series. So go watch the series if you haven't yet and come back and listen to this afterwards. If you want to make Bad Dog's dreams come true, please consider buying a virtual ticket for this show at baddogtheater.com forward slash the fandom show. Now, of course, I, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, introduce our wonderful guest for today. Oh, do, uh, do. Uh, and I will. Uh, Jocelyn Getty is a writer and comedian best known for her work on New Eden, The Snoopy Show, and The Beaverton, for which she received two Canadian Screen Award nominations for Outstanding Writing in a Sketch Comedy Series. She's also the co-host of I Hate It But I Love It, a pop culture podcast for which she won the Canadian Podcast Award for Best Host in a Series. Wow, she has so many awards. She's also the former head writer of Sunday Night Live with the Skechersons and flagship show of Toronto's Comedy Bar and has written for a variety of celebrity hosts, including Greg, Greg Proust, Don Edson, Jerry Minor, and Brett the Hitman Hart. Woo! Please welcome the incredibly talented Jocelyn Getty! Yow, 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 Lord. So one of the downsides of both of the hosts living in the same home with the same shitty internet is that when it dies, we die. That's right. Oh, Jocelyn. We're thank so you. proud of our intro and how well it was going. Patience. Jocelyn, 
You know what? It was super charming. I loved the discussion of everyone's shirts. I, too, am wearing a shirt slash dress that I really enjoy. It's yellow. It's got flowers. I think we all look fantastic. I think all our internets are doing their best. <laughs> what a time we're having here on the show what today. What a time. I feel like between your pink color palette and your yellow color palette, we kind of have a bit of this background Yeah, we do. We do match It's yeah, true. I feel like... Going oh, for go some good kind of Shiro representation here That's of right. various characters you might meet Absolutely. on the show. Absolutely. Which My is important. Drink is also in honor of um, Glimmer. I tried to match this weird color because she's just so sparkly and pretty. Bit of a purple. Bit of a purple. Bit of a purple. <laughs> Very good. Um, my olives are representative of, I will say, Seahawk. Oh, who nailed it. likes the briny sea. So there we <laughs> that go. he does. Yeah, and to Seahawk. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to Seahawk. I believe Hooray. it was his birthday recently. Hmm. Um, we're jumping so far into it, naming characters that some people might not even know who they are yet. So You should, though. You should. So before should. we keep going and get too excited, uh, let's jump into our first segment, shall let's we? Let's do it. Let's do Tell, Tell Us Everything. everything. It's so, catchy, right? Catchy. It's catchy music. Little, little bop. It's super catchy. I <laughs> love it. Every time I come back dancing. Keep it on. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so many questions to ask. Uh, so little time. I, I feel like normally one of the questions we ask is, uh, like, have you gotten anybody into uh, She-Ra or anything like that? But uh, we're the people that you got into She-Ra. Um, so I'm so excited to hear more about your sure. backstory on it. Um, so first of all, just like, how did you get into the show? Were you a fan of the original show? Were you just getting into the second one? What's the deal? Oh, that's a great question. I will say that I was on the cusp of being interested in the original mm -hmm. show. I, too, am a child of the 80s, also dating myself. Um, but the original She-Ra is an extremely different show. In the animation industry, we describe shows like the original Masters of the Universe, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, and She-Ra as being toyetic. And what that means is basically used to sell toys. And it, it works. that is, uh, you know... It takes a skill, I believe, to come up with a concept that will yield toys that children want. I do think you have to have an insight into kids' minds. Alternatively, you have to be the protagonist of Big <laughs> and be under some kind of spell from a wizard machine. Nonetheless, you know, a skill. But I will say that I always found it just a wee bit remote for me. The new She-Ra, as created by Noelle Stevenson, um, completely blew me away on so many different levels because it takes what is a toyetic show and turns it into this vibrant explosion of character dynamics, of really deeply felt and precise emotions that are relatable and so important to kids, but are also relatable at any age in your life. Um, it's commitment to diversity on every single frontier in terms of sex, gender, body size, race is extraordinary. Um, and on top of this, it's a rad ass, super funny, fun action oh, yeah. show. Like there's absolutely nothing wrong yeah. with it. And it is, I think, my gospel in this world to bring this special show, which is already a huge hit. It's not like it needs my help. I'm sort of the person standing beside the juggernaut being like, did you see this juggernaut? <laughs> and everyone's like, yes. It's big. It's yes, very tall. We did. 
It's an eight foot woman. Look at this. Wow. <laughs> Who knew? We all knew. We all knew because we saw it ourselves. A lot of people are willing to dismiss it right off the bat because it is animation. And I think a lot of adults uh, tend to see animation as that's for kids. It's not really yeah. for me. It's sort of the Avatar The Last Airbender effect, I think, for me. And that a lot of people don't understand how watchable it is as an adult absolutely or how much avatar gets into these complicated mm -hmm. storylines and plots and sort of extended arcs for characters that are involved i mean again followable if you're a kid yeah. but would be engaging to any adult absolutely yeah Wow. Well, you put that so well. I can't imagine putting that better um, and completely agree on all front fronts. Uh, the second question I was going to ask kind of is in the same vein, but if you want to uh, sort of like expand on it. So what resonates with you the most about this show? Like when you were watching it, what was the thing that was like, no, nah, I must love this juggernaut forever. <laughs> That's such a good question. Oh, my goodness. There are so many different things. I think I, I will say that the the core of She-Ra as a concept is about, um, you know, finding your true self, being able to transform into your true self, alter egos, um, you know, all reasons that it's completely embraced on an LGBTQ level. Um, but I think what, what really gets to why I love the show is that its central theme is you are innately lovable for who you are already. For what you already have, for what you already do, there's nothing you need to change. You are lovable. And every single character over the course of this show goes through an arc where they learn that in their own way, their value is innate, which I think is so special. I was thinking about it, too, in light of everything Follow me on this. Everything that's been <laughs> happening with Simone Biles, who I think yes. has done a tremendously courageous thing in looking at the world being like, do tricks for us and being like, no, actually, I am worth more than what I do. Yes. And it's a bit what happens in this show as well. The characters realizing that it's not about the things that you do, but the person that you are. Um, so that's one huge thing. The other very surface level thing is uh, I, you know, I am not immune to the charms of many different princesses. <laughs> I would like to watch a show where the main girl can, can transform into a boss ass giant whose pet is an alicorn. Like, I am not above these things. I am not hard so, as rock. <laughs> no, I am human still. So you hook me with the alicorn and you keep me for the profound exploration of inner worth. <laughs> oh. Which what is an alicorn really? But on its on on the surface, a metaphor. Um, a metaphor. A little bit of everything for the girl who doesn't want to choose, or the anyone who doesn't want to choose. I mean, just the sheer amount of glowing in this show. How could you turn it away? Uh, on a different level. Happy I glowing, do want to know glow. what the show's glitter budget was. Like, don't yeah. you feel as though there was a dedicated part of the animation team who is like, your full-time job is just a thick coat of glitter yeah. on every frame of this show? There had to have yeah. Never stop. Yeah, like in the background, <laughs> in the foreground, on the outfits, in like every power the they ever do. Just constant like glitter. in the fifth season, her power is literally just glowing. Solitary, just glowing. I mean, there's more than that. There's more than that. She can space fight. It's fine. But she glows when she does it. Yeah, she's emitting a light. True. A big glitter budget. Anyway. So you recommended this show to us in the first season. How do you think it progressed over the later season story-wise? 
Well, that's a great question. I think that um, She-Ra does a, a unique thing that I have seen sometimes in the in the context of animated shows or or shows in general where the, you know, as the show progresses, they're kind of like, what else can we do? What if this is just a parody of it? I mean, Community is the perfect example where they're like, we don't know what the show is anymore. Uh, is, is it Law and Order? Now it's just um, painful. This show... <laughs> Yeah. Do you want a six paintball again? Do it. Where can they find you? Next? Don't we bought it? Yeah. <laughs> um, this show does something unique to me, anyway, where its entire progression is just going deeper and deeper into the characters' interactions with one another and the dynamics yeah. between the characters. Um, so, what's so satisfying if you are a long-term viewer of the show is that some of the dynamics you see in the first season take on enormous resonance in even the fourth season. For example, um, one of our characters who Shira slash Adora comes to be good friends with, the princess Glimmer, is introduced as someone whose powers are like a little bit all over the place. She doesn't quite have mastery of them yet. Of everyone on the team, she's definitely the one who's going to run out of power juice at a critical moment and need to be saved by somebody. But it's clear that she carries a lot of insecurity about that and a lot of selfishness about wanting to prove herself, which bears fruit in the fourth season when she's really trying to assert herself while the other characters are like, um, bring it down a bit, please. <laughs> the choices you're making are bad now. Just a there. Very self-serving. So in this way, it becomes so satisfying to stick around as a viewer because these things that you've noticed are just being so carefully tended to. Tiny seeds planted at the beginning are slowly growing all the time. And you can tell that Noelle Stevenson yeah. and the entire writing staff is like, we know where every single one of these characters is meant to go and how they're supposed to get along. And that's Absolutely. so satisfying. There's so many shows that you watch that just forget their entire uh, mythology or forget uh, aspects of characters that you're like, oh, but I like that part. And then suddenly they're a different character. And yeah. I find that in this show, they grow and they do evolve as characters but always with that their core uh intact yeah that's so true you know what an interesting counterpoint is off the top of my head is stranger things where by the latest season you're like does joyce remember that jonathan is her son <laughs> <laughs> they haven't spoken in years <laughs> yeah and like kind of like the third season you're like you know we should all just accept what's happening at face value at this point right we're not doubting this <laughs> yeah it's been three seasons there's a monster we're on we've board. all seen the monster or we know someone who's seen the monster <laughs> yeah Multiple times. Yeah. If at this point we're doubting each other, we're <laughs> bad friends. Yeah, we should all break up. Bad people yeah. are bad friends. Let's just call it quits. Move out of town. Yeah. I also think that it's interesting because over the course of the series, they literally grow up. Like if you look at, I think you pointed this mm -hmm. out to me while we were watching it, Bo's voice changes over the course of the series. Their like, animation their changes. Their animation changes. They become like mm -hmm. more full figured or taller or like you actually see them grow into sort of adult people. And I feel like all of the plots sort of match that. You go from watching this kid's show to suddenly realizing you've been like watching a graphic novel for five seasons, you know? 
Yes, absolutely. I, I think that's a fabulous observation. I know that when Noelle Stevenson was developing the show, a lot of emphasis was put into taking the characters who in the original show were all kind of like fun, sexy vamps. Like every single character has the exact yeah. same body type. Everyone was yeah. a pinup girl. Mm. <laughs> every single person is wandering in being like, I hope my bathing suit doesn't fly off in front of the horn. Um, but Noelle Stevenson has said, that they wanted to take the show and put Adora more in the place of like a young teenager because that's so that's such an important stage in your life when you're going out and you're like I know everything there is to know about all of it and you quickly realize that that is not true yeah <laughs> so you followed the characters from such a vulnerable kind of juicy delicious story point in their life to them being who they're going to be as adults yeah, yeah it, oh, absolutely. Uh, there's there's this tiniest detail. This is probably too specific for anyone. But one it's of the things that they about. did in the animation for Catra, who I could go on about Catra for ages. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, but in the earlier season, she has little tufts here uh, right beside her ears. And apparently that's because kittens have different fur when they're young that they get rid of. So later on in the show, she no longer has the tufts because she's grown up. <laughs> Like that's uh, such care so and much detail, detail, but oh, it's so smart. It's so it makes me mad. I know. <laughs> it's one of those shows that you watch and you're like, "Damn it, I'm never gonna do anything this good in my whole life." Damn it. Oh, oh, I know. You have to be, especially if you're a writer, you have to like absorb it all and then be like. <laughs> I have to just hold this in a place of love yeah. and not be like, why can't I be like you? <laughs> I have to I have to put this in my love box and keep it away from my envy center. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and protect it. Um, on that on that subject, um, what OK, so what did you think about the redesigns? Because obviously there was a lot of, um, for lack of a better term, hubbub from who I who I and most of the Internet would call the neckbeards um, uh, <laughs> uh, regarding the redesign of She-Ra and like giving her, I don't know, like a practical outfit. Shorts. But even just across the board, they redesigned almost all the characters. How do you feel about that from sort of what it used to be to what it became? Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, watching the show, so many times I have thought to myself watching the show, like it would have meant the world to me to have seen this show when yeah. I was growing up to see characters like Glimmer and Scorpia who are more full-figured characters who are presented as like romantically viable which of course they are but like keeping in mind that all of the things I grew up with were Disney properties where it's like, you're either this sexy fox or you're like, Madam Clock, the old weird woman who like lives in the shoe. chose to go with. Or, or unconscious. <laughs> Don't forget unconscious, Jocelyn. Oh, That's a whole yeah. category. That's also we women. Just asleep. It's exactly it. You're Belle or you're a teapot or you're an armoire and there's nothing in between. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like things like things like that are are so enormously impactful, but also there's so much good storytelling yep. through the characters. What you bring up with Katra and the kitten tufts is such a great point. And another thing that they did with Katra in a you know in changing her from being this saucy femme fatale <laughs> um, into this kind of like physically sort of short and and thin and almost a little bit scrappy character so there's 
Catra is one of the principal villains of the show who is redeemed over the course of the show. Um, but so much of the show is contingent upon you immediately loving Catra. And they completely achieve that on a physical basis by making her all talk and just like physically like, I'll catch up with you. And then being held up back by like a hand. Or like lifted up by She-Ra at one point. (laughs) Yep. Just like that. And even other tiny little things. There's a moment, I think it's in the second season where they possibly the first or the second season, they go to some sort of spa type scenario and Bo is wearing a binder. And I it's it's just like an important way because um, queer representation in animation is growing so much all the time, but can sometimes experience opposition in terms of depiction. I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But subtle moments like that are just a way, I think, for audience members to be like, oh, I see you. I know what that is. I know what you're trying to say to me. I know who this character is now, and I know that this is for me. Um, And so, like, stuff like, it's just incredible. And I will even say, like, for all of the people who are like, I don't have a boner anymore. <laughs> She-Ra. Like, everyone should just know that the original creator of She-Ra, J. Michael Straczynski, was like, yeah, yes, this is better than what we did. I always <laughs> wanted She-Ra to be a warrior. She should wear shorts. It's yeah. not practical to wear this short skirt. Yeah, who this can fight in a short garment. skirt? Yeah, no one. The only people who are upset about this that were people who will never in their life touch a skirt for fear of gay. Like those were the people that <laughs> that are upset about it because anybody who's ever worn a skirt before uh, was like, yeah, bike shorts. Obviously, yeah, we all have them. <laughs> we all wear them. Obviously. How else would you get things obviously. done in a skirt? What if there's a you weekend? Can't. You can't even bike <laughs> in a weird. skirt without bike shorts. <laughs> Yeah, that's what they're for. Thanks. Viking. <laughs> All right, we're going to get into I got to find this out. Who are your top 3 characters? Oh, yes. This is and why. Okay. Great, 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 great question. I might have this or coming in so at the number three slot. And please understand that I do technically love them all equally. Oh, of course. But, I think that goes know, without saying. But let's say it. We love oh, them all equally. You know what? I'm actually going to do top 4. Sorry. <gasps> let's do I it. I have to add okay. one. No, I love it. Okay. Coming in at four, Adora. It is very rare that the main character of a show is one of the most hilarious, relatable, delightful members of the show. I, for example, love the show Dawson's Creek. Dawson himself, Turdburger, is a sociopath. I hate that guy. He's He's a villain on par with, I would say, the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> he literally tries to run his best friend over with, with a boat. boat at one point. Oh my god! So and, you know, and that best friend is the real enough hero. about him. Yeah, Pacey, Pacey all the way. Pacey forever. Hashtag Pacey. Um, but Adora is such a thrilling character and so easy to get behind. And Amy Carrera, who does her voice, does such an incredible Terrific. performance. Um, I can't think of many other shows where I'm like, the main character is one of my favorite characters. Yes, so agreed. She-Ra. Another one, Entrapta. Huh? Um, Entrapta is so much fun. And I think the moment where the show crossed over into, oh, I, I like this show a lot and I think they're doing a really good show, into I love this show completely and forever is when Entrapta reveals that she has reprogrammed one of the Horde's robots and just proudly goes, its name is Emily. <laughs> and no one asked. 
<laughs> and then she does it, it later with the ship. Darla! Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, Darla, I love her relationship with Darla. Um, and Trapped is a really amazing character who, again, is like such a carefully rethought character from the original show. Um, I don't believe it's ever explicitly said, but... Certainly what they're trying to explore in some of the writing and the plots for Entrapta is that she's neurodivergent. Yeah, definitely. And many of her storylines revolve around her not fully understanding how to how, like best communicate herself with the other with the rest of the crew or fully completely like get in the same wavelength as everyone else where she's like she's I'm over here and everyone else is over here and I'm trying to understand, but I don't quite but she's so fun and so immensely lovable. And like, there's also the fun factor of her great pigtails that are huge sentient pigtails yeah, that she it. balances on. Um, Entrapta forever. And dope overalls. Katra, also that. Dope overalls. It's so true. Um, Katra for sure. Noel Stevenson is an impeccable writer in so many different ways, but uh, their great strength, I would say, is villains. And if you have never read Nimona, um, a graphic novel, which is a masterpiece. Yay! Oh, so good. Been a fan of Noel since this book. Get this book if you you've never read, read it. It's terrific. I picked up Nimona, I would say, one morning, and within an hour, I was just like, <laughs> Nimona! Um, but Katra, I mean, I really do think that the entire show was contingent on you loving and understanding Katra. Yes. Um, and uh, in addition to being brilliantly performed by A.G. Michalka, um, uh, the, the arc for Katra really perfectly embodies that theme I was talking about, about understanding your value um, and I also think it's so cool what they were able to do in terms of presenting you with a character who is uh, lovable, you know, despite their flaws, but also held to account for the things that they do. Um, and those things existing in synchronicity is a difficult thing to accomplish in a show. They pull it off beautifully. Um, my most favorite character of the entire show and the character <laughs> i aspire to write for the rest of my life is scorpio as performed by lauren ash canadian um canadian lauren ash genius lauren ash i this was this is one of the most surprising decisions in the show for me um when you first meet scorpio who's a member of the horde who, you know, um, again, in the original show, presented as a villain. And Scorpia is the most delightful character in the entire show. She is pure love. She really believes in herself. <laughs> she Such self-awareness um, and confidence. Everyone. Like, awareness, yes. not necessarily how she impacts other people, but she knows herself and she knows what she's about. And she's just, I think her intro line is like, I give great I'm power. a hugger. Yeah, I'm a hugger. Yeah. I'm a hugger. She's just like, this <laughs> is me. so good. She's got two um, moms. And Scorpia, I think she got two moms. True. I think when I was a kid, let's get personal, everybody. Let's do it. Um, We're getting, let's I think do when, it. when I was a kid, I really struggled with finding friends. And I really struggled with kind of feeling good enough and knowing how to find people who appreciated me. And so when I saw Scorpia, whose entire story is like, I can see that you do not care about me as much as you care about somebody else. So what if I tried harder <laughs> all the time? It's so relatable. I was like, mm-hmm, mm -hmm, We all know. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. 
Interesting uh-huh. single yes, tear rolls down cheek. <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> yes. So the fact that um the fact that Scorpia's arc is all about her again learning that she's she deserves better and still, spoiler, coming to a place where she's able to fully embrace Catra with full forgiveness is just magical to me. Like, I feel like that summarized my entire process of from like age 11 to age 30 of being like, I'll find myself. And then at 30 being like, it finally happened. <laughs> Good. We did it. <laughs> Good. There's late bloomers and then there's me. <laughs> so relatable. Scorpia truly forever. Yes. Oh, man. Absolutely. Just because I know you want to answer this question, Steph. And I know I, I want to. Do you do you have like a different answer? Maybe just like a little fa- faster, just you know. a little faster. OK, obviously, as a blonde haired, blue eyed, uh, sporty. Yeah, you love lady, Catra. I get it. Yeah. I mean, I cannot deny that while watching this show, I fully uh identified myself with Adora and definitely made Kaya into a little tiny Capra. Ka- you can't maybe tell right now, but Kaya's <laughs> smaller than me. A little tiny, little tiny cat-like buddy. And Just a little bit. Yeah. So I definitely uh, imprinted some of that. Uh, also, Catra. Catra's my number one. Anyone who wants to talk about this, I'll talk about it forever. But um, the thing that was really fascinating for me about Catra is it really brought to light Stuff that even my therapy didn't open up of just like me when I was younger. Um, I'm not going to get into it too deep, but uh, the way that I lashed out at people and watching that happen from a cartoon character uh, from a distance was like, oh, no, because here I'm thinking like, I'm Adora. I'm a badass fighter. And I was like, no, I was Catra. I was. Yeah, you have way more in common with Catra. I was Catra. Yeah, I I vastly between Catra and Glimmer, who are basically the same person. Uh, One raised in a nice place, one raised. In a not nice place. Nature versus nurture. Yeah. Very interesting um, question that they deal with a little bit. Yeah. So Catra, mm-hmm. Catra's whole storyline just makes me cry, makes me laugh. I just, I adore her so much. And I love the care that they took with this character to, you know, show you her deepest vulnerability and then help her get to a place of peace. Oh, I can't get too deep into it. Also, just a real <laughs> shout out, Ron Hordak. Ron Hordak. Mm-hmm. He's a late mm-hmm. addition. Mm-hmm. He yeah. comes only midway through season five, but so quickly and so swiftly stole my heart and became one of my favorite characters in the entire show. Wink. Oh, he's just, <laughs> he's the voice of the audience. He's just a delightful little treat. Yeah, he's great. I can't even, I can't even give you much more than that other than everything he does is perfect and I love him. Yeah. Um, a solid answer. Yeah. I would say my answer is exactly the same as yours, Jocelyn, no. except I would switch yeah. out Bow and uh, Bow and Entrapta. Because for me, Bow yeah. was the one that I looked at him and I was like, oh, I want to be just like you. <laughs> You're like, I feel like so much of, I, I was more of a Scorpio, but like I wanted to be a Bow, you know, just like so confident and like capable and just so enthused about their friends. Like Bo's, Bo and Scorpio both have that thing of being like, I'm just so happy to be with people. This is great. And Bo has no superpowers <laughs> where he's surrounded by people who have all these great, amazing, magical abilities. Yeah. And Bo, without having those, still manages to be on par in terms of skill and what he brings to the table. And what he brings to the table is communication. Yeah. Uh, and like team morale. Yes. And oh, although... Healthy masculinity, which we'll get into later. Right. Um, yes, it's true. <laughs> um, okay, so here's a question. Uh, top three, like, episodes, moments, things that, like, really stick out to you as, like, a viewer of the show. 
Oh, okay. My top moment is the episode, the I Remember episode, where uh, She-Ra is basically brought back into mm. the horde and kind yes. of like reality phases oh, out. So the good. storytelling is so good. It's so good. Um, there's also a moment, I believe this is in the same episode or in and around it, where She-Ra has a very satisfying confrontation with Katra, where she's like, I'm not letting you basically gaslight me into believing I'm responsible for everything that went wrong between us. I'm not having it. I will not. Um, it is such a like, oh, this is, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's kind of the equivalent of when the Thor hammer goes to Captain America, but with emotions. Yeah. It's <laughs> so good. That's this so is perfect. the Mjolnir. Of Which, a, you really got to dig um, to find in Marvel, but in this, it's right up there. And in that it's same episode, right there. Scorpio being like, I don't know why, but I don't like you to Adora. Just like, <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect moments. Oh my gosh. Um, I I mean, it's it's like it kind of feels like a cheat, but like the entire finale where uh I I, you know, I I knew for so many reasons intellectually and and as a writer, like nothing bad is gonna happen to these characters. They are going to be okay yes. by the end of this series because this is a show for children. It has to. Um has to be okay but it, like that did not stop my heart from beating out of my chest because I was so invested in the structure and the dialogue and the building of the story um and the moment the big battle between Katra and the Horde in the season one finale Katra and the Horde versus when you see all of the princesses of power working together for the first time Glowing. rules it's so good how about you two Oh, gosh. I know yours. I mean, my very favorite episode um, is uh, Save the Cat. It's I, I've watched that episode. So I've watched the entire series, I think, five times minimum through as a result, the pandemic. So have I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good, uh, good. But Princess Prom and Save the Cat and Corridors. Those those three episodes, I think, uh, have a special place in my heart. Corridors uh, is uh, once uh, again, spoilers. So many spoilers. Don't watch this if you have, are afraid of spoilers. Um, Katra is on Horde Prime's ship uh, and trying to decide whether how she wants to deal with the situation, whether or not it's to support Glimmer and to try to help her get off the ship or whether it's to turn them over to Horde Prime and partner with that side. And then in the end, obviously, she chooses uh, to save Glimmer for Adora and send her off the ship. And that's beautiful. But you get to see flashbacks of them as children and Katra's refusal to admit that she was wrong and apologize. And then in the end of the episode, she does. It's her first moment of being able to actually say, I'm sorry. Oh, so beautiful. Uh, Princess Prom. Yeah, that's the one I was going to 100% have. for that suit. Katra this in that suit. suit. How dare you? Also, it's just a very tightly <laughs> written episode of television. It's tightly written. Like I love the representation <laughs> of uh, Scorpia as like this tall, like big femme. And then Katra as this tiny little like butch energy. Oh, so cute. Tiny butches for the win. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hooray! Um, which brings us to, because, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're a little bit running out of time for questions, and I feel like this is one we really wanted to talk about uh, that you brought up at the beginning. Representation. Like, this this show was so amazing for rep representation. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I will say, without kind of getting into specifics, I have worked on shows that have desperately wanted, desperately wanted to incorporate um, uh, gay relationships um, and overtly gay characters. And 
for for multiple reasons, we were just not able or the people who were show running were just not able to get it through. It takes, you know, a lot of different factors, uh, a lot of different competing people to make anything um, and certainly to make uh, an animated show. And so all this by way of saying that I have I have had a small glimpse into the amount of work and the amount of heartache and the amount of um, strength it takes to shepherd what you know to be not only true, but literally essential for a show into the final product. And I genuinely believe that any show that does not incorporate diversity is not an accurate representation of the world. It is more science fiction than any science fiction property could be to be like, all these characters are white and straight. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) Like it's unrecognizable. Um, So (laughs) there is a wonderful interview in Paper Magazine. It's available online that I highly recommend that everyone read between Rebecca Sugar, uh, the creator of Steven Universe and Noelle Stevenson, obviously the creator of She-Ra, talking about their individual struggles in terms of getting the appropriate representation into their shows for Rebecca Sugar, who is non-binary and whose work in Steven Universe paved the way for a lot of what we see she has talked about how at points it was not only frustrating, but like genuinely psychologically uh, damaging to be told by people like it's just not possible. And she was like, but it's me. It's my life. And yeah. they're like, it doesn't exist. And she was like, it's my but, life. But it has I, to. You see. This is me. Because yeah, <laughs> here I am, the person you're talking to. <laughs> the link to that it's article happening. is in the chat right now. So like, please take a look at that perfect. if you haven't. Yeah. And it's like, kids won't understand. Um, It's like, I I mean, they will because I I speak to to children. I'm not in a bubble. I know a two-year-old who, when asked what (laughs) Kaya is, they go, non-binary. That's it. Kids are not the problem. Kids are not the problem. (laughs) Kids kids are not the problem. They get it. Kids get it. Um, But at any rate, uh, it's a wonderful uh, interview between these two creators because in addition to quietly recognizing their own and each other's struggles, they're also being like, Yo, so here's how I did it. <laughs> so for Noelle Stevenson, um, they knew from the beginning of the show that guess what? Adora and Katra were gonna be into each other. And it is baked into yes. every single scene that they have together. Every, hey, every single moment. Yeah. yeah. Every single time <laughs> every says Andor. it. It's just including lesbian pride flags literally baked into the backdrop <laughs> of certain episodes. Yes. That is a real thing. Completely. Yeah. And Noelle Stevenson has said, like, you know, when I was making the show, I just like I knew that I, I, I had to be there. I knew if I made it essential to the storytelling that no one could tell me that I had to take it out. And I just hoped that if I put it in there, enough people would understand what I was trying to say, what we were all trying to say. And I certainly feel like the first season came out and Tumblr was like, yo, are they gay? And she was like, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. who knows? <laughs> who I don't know. Say it loud enough on the internet and DreamWorks will let me do it. <laughs> they, they have explicitly said of the characters that unless it's said in the show that every single character is queer. And it, it's never said otherwise at any point. Until proven otherwise. Yeah. 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 And I don't think they ever made anyone fully straight. Yeah. Not to mention the diversity of race and that like everyone is just looks different and no one discusses it because why would they? Everybody just is. 
But many of that representation totally. that they were alluding to in the character design is based on the, the races of the voice actors as well, I believe. Which is also excellent. Which is rad. Mm-hmm. Fucking right. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. effing right. Sorry, <laughs> we've already sworn. Fuck. You're way past that point. Um, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Don't yeah. watch if you're a little... <laughs> I remember though I because I completely agree I remember watching the first season and seeing those moments between Adora and Catra and my like I grew up in the 2000s brain um in the 90s and 2000s uh like brain was just like this can't be they gotta be gay I, I mean I'm reading into this obviously because I read gay things into literally everything I ever watch because that's because that's the only way it was presented to you everything's gay if it goes through my brain <laughs> yeah exactly but like watching this I was like but they can't act are they actually going to, are they going to do it? And I feel like the whole five seasons are like, are they going to let them do it? Uh, so when they finally get to the point where you're like, it's canon. Like I lost my Because <laughs> I lived in a world where you would see that. Yeah. I lived Pride in a world. Pride rainbows erupted across our apartment. <laughs> yes. Because uh, so many, so many of us lived in a world where you would see it baked in, but never get to see it be canon. You know? Totally. And I still feel like this happens. I mean, Supernatural is a perfect example (laughs) where like so much of the show is two men kind of holding their mouths close together. And then the final episode is a very badly kind of voiceover. Like, I have to go. My planet needs me. And then a title that's like, they never kissed. Yeah. One of them being like, I'm in love with you. And the other one like, cool, bro. Anyway. Like, (laughs) no, how dare you? It's okay. That's still going on on the internet. That's still like... Uh, uh, Misha, uh, who plays Castiel in Supernatural, is still kind of punking the guy who plays uh, Dean Winchester about it on the internet. Anyway, that's a whole other episode I can do. <laughs> Very true. I, I know, uh, I feel like we're getting into like the really, really fun stuff, like the, di- the diverse stuff. And well, you know what? I'm just going to come out and say the gay stuff. The gay stuff is fun. Um, but it, it, just as we start talking about the gay stuff, I, I feel like I should mention uh, that like uh, this show is you know, meant to be a very positive space for nerds. But unfortunately, we have a bit of like sort of a troll problem so i it's not even like a fun cave troll it's just kind of like a, a a guy on the internet um and he, he's he's a bit of a gatekeeper he tries to like prove people are fake fans by like giving them trivia and stuff so it's just I, he shouldn't show up because we've changed our password like a dozen times okay, um, so don't worry Perfect. about it but if he does sh- well well <laughs> looks familiar you know what they say die saving the show and the hosts disconnect or live long enough to become a villain <laughs> i knew you would wow. take advantage of that gatekeeper wow so what they bitch. say <laughs> that's what they all say all that's of them for some goes. reason i couldn't <laughs> help but over here y'all talking about she-ra yeah that's pretty yeah, we're getting into you it you know I'm a bit of a Shiran addict myself. That's what we call each other. <laughs> so what fandom. was that? Yeah. Is it? It's, yeah, Shiran addict. It's like a fan addict, but with Shiran. Oh, okay. That slides yeah. right off yeah. the yes. tongue. Yeah. Yeah, it, fun you, because it's so easy to say. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. It, I understand if you've never heard that term. Only real fans really use it. It's kind of. Or not me. Walked into that one. Well, you know, not everyone can, you know like a property i mean you can consume it i guess but like how much do you really know about it you know like uh you know here's an easy example 
I mean, if you've watched the show, you should know all about who's in it. I mean, obviously, Adora is in every episode, but what character is in the second most episodes? Catra. Glimmer. Oh. Strike one, strike two. Oh? There you go. Oh. I mean, it took three tries. Ah. It took three tries, but yeah, Bo's in 49 of the 52 episodes. Dang. Oh, because Bo and Adora go off on adventures because mm. Glimmer's being a That's bit of a bee. And Catra comes yeah. in and out because <laughs> That's stuff. definitely my favorite arc. Right, 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 right. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you obviously know about a lot about the main character, too. So, uh, when's Adora's birthday? This feels mean. I don't... Adora's I don't birthday. know the character's birthday. Wait a minute. <laughs> hang on, hang on. In show? Because in show, she had never experienced a party before, which I assume means that she had never had a birthday. I mean, if you think the show is the only Shira property, sure. Oh, it's in that book. That's in. It's in that book. What the, the Rebel Princess Guide? It's in that. I could go find it. Wait, you have that book? Of course, you have that book. Did you <laughs> <laughs> this is an important couple moment that's happening. You know what? I'm gonna go for it because I know in my soul that I love this show no matter what. I'm gonna say March. <laughs> <laughs> You're almost in the right. No, you are in the right season. No, okay. you're not. No, you're not. Well, yes, no. you are. Wait, it's March, winter. Or I don't know when or, the season's on. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. Oh, well, well, well. <laughs> Look who doesn't know what seasons wow. are. This is not a season Canada. episode. You have to disappear. Because you live in Canada season. and seasons are meaningless. When oh. the season episodes takes place, then I'll spend the first half hour of the show on the season Wikipedia page. But until then, we do not talk about seasons. Well... Watch out, because I'm going to show up on that show because it just so happens I bully people on the internet about what month it is. Oh, <laughs> damn. Future burn. Oh, I do not look forward to that. When is Adora's well, birthday? It is January 19th, as seen in the Christmas movie, when they're preparing to celebrate Adora and He-Man's birthdays. Oh, from the original. Oh, damn, Christmas you're going all the way back. Also, it, by the way, yeah. fun fact, oh. it's also Buffy's birthday, January 19th. Bam. Different oh! There you go. That wasn't impressive. Great it'll, day be, for heroes. it'll be impressive on a different episode. What if that was done on purpose? <laughs> what if Noel did that on purpose? Well, this was probably a different. Anyway, not the point. Gate- gatekeeper, can you stop trying to gatekeep, please, sir? Okay. I'm excited. Well, we'll stay, we'll stay in the current series because clearly that's all you fans know about. <laughs> I mean, I do have season one of the original on DVD. I just haven't watched it. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> just haven't watched it. It's not I good. Excuse me. It's not good. She's brought it it's up. It's not good. I'm the one who doesn't want to watch it. Yes, I have asked. I have asked. <laughs> Looking for that character. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, here, I, just, I heard you all talking about this character earlier. So what does series creator Noelle Stevenson claim Scorpia's favorite band would be? Oh. Oh. I actually have read this and it makes, like... This is so distressing. I don't know why the first thing I thought was Tegan and Sarah, because I think that's absolutely incorrect. Oh, my uh, God. Honestly, similar energies. Gay is the energy for that. No. <laughs> the Indigo Girls? Um, um, Indigo no, 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 no. It's Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac. There it is. <laughs> well done, Jocelyn. Okay. Okay. 
Anderson. You I can Fleetwood see a Stevie Nicks fan when I see one. You think Fleetwood Mac and Tegan and Sarah have similar energy? Have you listened to either yeah, of those the energy artists? Is vibes. <laughs> I think, That's the energy. I think the energy is breakups. Okay. Okay. Huge breakups. Yeah, yes, that, that, that as is well. That'll give you. Barely sublimated rage. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about this one? Uh, wrong Hordak is gifted an apron. What text is written on that apron? Oh, I know this. It's because it's it's not the thing you think it is. It's not ki- kiss the cook. It's no. like kiss the chef. Or something like something off-brand to that. I, I do think it might be "Kiss the Chef." You, you I think, think you're right. I think you might be right. I think so. I do. It is "Kiss the Cook." Oh, oh, written, written in first ones. Written in first ones. Yeah, in first ones writing. That's right. Which you can translate. Fun fact. Hmm. Do you know how? No. Oh, I, you go online to a thing that says first one's writing translator, <laughs> and then you look up happy birthday, Steph, and you find a way to translate that via first that one's writing. It's apparently just English written backwards, whatever that means. Oh, okay. Very good. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I know a lot about it. I don't know. Wait a second. Yeah, no, that's my, that's how I do my taxes in first one. I, I spent a lot of time on the phone with Sierra. <laughs> yeah, audited many <laughs> times in so a lot of trouble. Many times they don't appreciate the homage. Okay, is that all you got for us, Gatekeeper? Come on, you're not even challenging. Well, I mean, would you like to be really stumped? Yeah. Yes. Because I can really stump I'm you. I'm so bad at trivia. Okay. What was the connection between the 1985 original She-Ra series and the Barbara Hambly 1984 fantasy novel Ladies of Madrigan? Women. Great question. <laughs> <Okay>. Women. <laughs> you can't say I'm close. wrong. You cannot say I'm wrong. <laughs> they both have a character named Perfuma. I don't know. Shockingly close. They both have a character named... Scorpion. Adora. Glimmer. Catch a bow. Cast a spell. Shira. <laughs> Oh, it was so cold. How dare you? It's so hot. <laughs> Mattel was worried another toy company would buy rights to that book and make another She-Ra line. So Mattel paid Hambly $25,000 for rights to that book and just Damn, never did anything man. with it. We all learned something. Okay. All right. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll be back with your internet crashes again. But until <laughs> then, have fun with your little chit-chats. Rude. Rude. I'll see you on the internet in an hour when oh, I yell at you don't. about what no, season I, it is. I dish it out, but I can't take it. I dish it. <laughs> please do not do that. Please do not. <laughs> Yay, you did it! <laughs> you defeated the gatekeeper! <laughs> I will say just super quickly on the note of the original She-Ra, another reason why this show is such a great accomplishment is because real talk, the first She-Ra is hard to watch. You're not Every wrong. two seconds, it's a character being like, I'm Hordak. And then it, the theme of like, do, 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 She-Ra, She-Ra. And then she was like, I'm going over here. Also, no one knows that She-Ra is She-Ra. So the show has this very Pokeroo energy. Where someone's like, we need She-Ra. Who's this? <laughs> I don't know. Who could this completely similar oh, person be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're so. very much like Shira needs to be here. And Adora being like, great, I have to go to Powder the- My Nose. 
Star, it's going to be chewy. Powder my nose. Well, see you never. And then two minutes later, do, 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 do. She-Ra, She-Ra. Yeah. Oh, fuck, it's She-Ra. I kind of want to see the, like, the sketch of just, like, slightly to the left of her transformation, everyone being like, so that's glowing. Everyone sees that, we right? Can see her, sees the she glowing. just changed her outfit, like, right there. Like, yeah, she was ass hanging yeah, out, just like desperately on. trying to pull on a dress. Trying to do that changing like you did in the change room when you were in grade eight of just in your shirt. Yeah, the whole like, don't, don't, don't turn around. <laughs> Except instead of don't, don't it's she rock. Catherine just in the corner being like, she Wow. Oh, her teenage energy. Toyetic. I will say the transformation sequence I love so much. Oh, the, the homage they to Sailor Moon. such a good job with the like Sailor Moon slash the She-Ra kind of transformation that I get excited about it every time. And they also did that in the oh, new He-Man. Absolutely. The new He-Man has a transformation oh. sequence in the first episode of it that is very Sailor Moon slash She-Ra vibes of just like glittering blue background and grabbing the sword. It's great. Hard to pull off a good transformation sequence. Nine times out of ten, I would say that I'm like, uh-huh, let's let's move it around. This is one of the few examples of a show where if the transformation sequence wasn't there, I was like, oh. Yeah. Or they did yeah, a short a version where it was just like sword, yeah. hair, done. Like, no, I want the sparkles. Get that animation Who's guy in here. We need the sparkle guy. <laughs> No, he's moved on to the rest of the office. He's just Ugh. spackling <laughs> glitter to the desks and wall now. Stressful to get it off. <laughs> it's so chunky. So chunky. Hurts. Hurts if you accidentally brush against it. It's sharp. Dangerous. It's like stucco, man. That stuff's awful. <laughs> Looks great, but is it worth it? Yes. Well, all right. That's why we hired him. I have a new theory that they tried glitter on the first season, decided to nix it because it was too hard, but couldn't get it off the rest of the seasons. <laughs> Yeah, every single script for the rest of the show was like, and once again, we just want to apologize for the mistake we made years ago that we are still paying for. And if you'd please like to turn to page one, I am sorry again for everyone. Shield your eyes, please. Not only from the glare, but from the blowback. <laughs> We're going to want to move those pages as gently as possible. Too much wind will dislodge the glitter again. Eye problems. No bro breath problems. Was the Shira's writing, writer's room just like Dune, but with glitter? Like, <laughs> the glitter must Everyone's flow. Everyone's got those things in their nose. Yes, the glitter must flow. Uh, like, well, is this safe? Who cares? I've never read Dune. I got a sentence into Dune. It was like, this guy's name's Paul. I don't have time for this right now. The world is a guy named Paul. You're Have very this. right to feel that way. And F I have read Paul. the book, so I can confirm this. Paul's Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyway, this is not an episode about Dune. Everyone stop talking about Dune. I know I started it, but Get everyone on, stop. Dune. Um, <laughs> let's move on to our last segment. It's Fandom Finds. All right, fandom. Great jams. I know, right? Those bumpers are by Sean Murray, the one and the only. Sung um, by Andrew Wong. The one and the only. It's a good time. Um, okay, so this is our segment called Fandom Finds. So uh, basically, we are, uh, we, I took to the internet um, and I scoured it uh, for different opinions about She-Ra. Some of them are controversial. Others are not. 
Um, so I'm going to read some of these opinions to you and you can tell us in as much or as little detail whether you think it's a good opinion or a bad opinion or a neutral opinion or whatever you whatever, whatever opinion you have on that opinion. Excellent. I'm ready. Let's do it. OK, so number one. <laughs> Steph is already upset. Here we go. Let's do it. Catradora <laughs> is one of my absolute least favorite ships. This I hate is it. from the user deleted on Reddit. Yeah, I deleted them. That's why. <laughs> I found that person. <laughs> Jocelyn, tell us what you think. <laughs> well, I'm beginning to think that Steph went to delete its house with a bucket of glitter and was like, yeah, you should have seen what this did to the old Shearer offices. And now it's your turn. <laughs> um, listen, if you don't like Catradora, you're wrong and you're not seeing what's going on here. Cat it's agrees. like watching <laughs> the cat literally just <laughs> agreed with me. That's true. <laughs> it's like watching the show uh, the show the popular show titanic and being like that movie wasn't about a boat catradora is shira if you think it's bad you didn't get the show bye bye it's like even if you don't like them romantically which fine like they're they have toxic moments fine 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 but even as a friendship as an important relationship you have to be on board otherwise what show did you watch why what was the point of watching it completely i agree like i i do understand for some people um catradora yeah the the toxic elements as you say of their relationship were kind of like ooh, that's tricky and fair enough yeah. but it was still so the their dynamics so precisely drawn like it's like saying yeah i hate chocolate which is why i bought this thing of quality street yeah, or you know, totally. <laughs> Like what? What are you doing to yourself? Yeah, why are you here? Why are you here? Yeah. Why did you go in that store? One hundred percent. It's a, it's a definitely. I, I give this opinion one bucket of glitter. <laughs> Wait, hang on. I have to clarify because it's just been unclear in our previous rhetoric. Is the bucket of glitter good? You're right, and I'm now realizing what I said. So it's good that you ask. You ask, and I will clarify. <laughs> so is one good? Yeah. Oh no. Well, we'll how many is a bucket of glitter cases. good? In this case, this is OK. This is OK. I'm going to amend what I said because we have established in the canon of this show that <laughs> glitter is dangerous. So I'm going to give it um, a too much on the glitter scale. Too much glitter. Too much glitter. A dune of glitter. Hard to get off your hands. Yeah. Not nice. Too difficult. Just a, a Shiro's writer's room full of glitter. Um, OK. <laughs> Want me to read this next one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do it. Okay. Uh, in season four. Glimmer did nothing wrong. I thought it was reasonable and pragmatic to take lessons from Shadow Weaver. This is from Raddest Roach from Reddit. For those who haven't seen the series in, in season four, there's a bit of a division between the friends because Glimmer is the queen and she is making decisions, including making some questionable alliances with uh, Shadow Weaver, who is sort of a witch character that was formerly of the Horde. And the one who is the reason that Adora and Catra were originally pitted against each other. Yeah, a bit of a narcissistic mom. Figure. Bit of a shitty mom. All right, discuss. Here's what I will say about this comment. I think if you cleave it in two, one part of it is on the cusp of being right, and the other part is flat out wrong. Um, flat out glitter. Is it reasonable? <laughs> flat out glitter. It's full glitter. And the other is only a bit of glitter. What a confusing metric we've come up here. <laughs> but for um, this show. Impossible rubric. <laughs> for this show. Let's change it all the time. So it's just impossible to stay on top of what we're talking about. Um, reasonable and pragmatic to use the powers of the super powered witch. 
um, to help combat the horde of which the witch belongs. Um, sure, maybe. Uh, as a tactical maneuver in a time of great stress, maybe. Maybe. Glimmer did nothing wrong? Incorrect. Glimmer did do something wrong. Which was? The entire fourth season and fifth season is about Glimmer acknowledging that Glimmer did something wrong and using that to fuel Glimmer's growth. So, second part of the comment, I'm going to give half, half glitter. <laughs> it's, it's all right, maybe a bit too much. But then the first part of the glitter... I mean, the first time I the sentence. Glimmer. Guess glimmer. what? Oh, glimmer. God. Glimmer. Oh, God. glimmer. Glitter. That's too much glitter. You got too much glitter, baby. I mean, she's all glitter. Oh, I can't see. Glimmer's all glitter. She's glimmer and she's glittering. Do you, like, I, Everyone at home is like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, That's yeah. The show. That's, I mean, there's a lot of weird names in this show. There is a character that casts spells and her name is Castispella. So There's another one who tosses nets named Natasha. Yeah. Natasha and bless and another. Them. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> bless them. Oh, another voice by Noelle Stevenson named Spinnerella, like the DJ from Salt and Peppa. So, but bless them for <laughs> acknowledging those original names that they were gifted, I guess, uh, and bringing them <laughs> into this world and being like, you know what? Whatever. This guy who uh, likes to have a whip, he's tongue lashor. Whatever. They do make fun of his name, which is very ironic coming from a woman with a scorpion tail named Scorpia and a woman with cat ears and a tail named Catra. It doesn't How get, dare you? It doesn't get noted enough because okay. because he he has a name that is a normal name, but also Bo, the guy who has a bow, is also a, a, a whole other situation because he didn't he wasn't it. born with the bow. <laughs> his parents named Feels- him and then were like, I guess this is appropriate. Here you go. <laughs> presumptuous really for his dads to be like hello our beautiful son also <laughs> have this for reasons that will now unveil your name is it but you're not <laughs> so. allowed to use it because we don't like war so just hold on to it yeah 100 <laughs> percent um okay cool so we're we're like we're we're behind Gl- glimmer but not in a uh she didn't do anything at all wrong she was awful she was so badly behaved Bad Glimmer. And I love how they resolved that in Back season glimmer. five. You so. can't say that Catra's bad and then say Glimmer's good. It's same. true. Two sides of the same coin. Um, okay, here we go. Next one. Um, Seahawk and Bo out here putting an end to toxic masculinity. I love how they hype up powerful women and people in their lives rather than get all salty about it. That's from Rebel Rules from Reddit. I like the use of salty for Seahawk. Agreed. Wonderful use of the word salty, absolutely. Rebel rules, I give this comment a perfectly acceptable (laughs) amount of glitter. (laughs) Imagine if you will, if you grew up in the 90s, ooh, it's just a little Bonnie Bell glitter gel. You put it on your cheeks and oh, it it just, oh, it's an Urban Decay powder puff. You can eat it apparently. It's supposed to be marshmallow. All you know is you glimmer like a glowy person. <laughs> um, I love the characterization of Seahawk and Bo. Seahawk is one of the great comedic characters of the show. There's few things I love more as a comedic archetype than a confident, cheerful idiot. Yes. And Seahawk repeatedly shows up and is just like hello everyone i was here to help and then i set a boat on fire and now i'm in trouble save me please um he is extremely attracted to mermista who's like all right (laughs) not sure why this is my vibe but 
All right. Um, and and Bo is Bo is almost to me like a corrective of Xander oh from God, yes. Vampire Slayer. Yes. Because Xander started out as a character who was like, Buffy, I'd better sleep with me. And then by the end of Buffy, Xander is kind of like, I'm right about everything. And Buffy had still better sleep with me oh. a bit. Whereas Bo is, as you mentioned so beautifully before, Steph, Bo, um, Bo lacking powers in the same way as everyone have them is not something he holds in a difficult or bad place in himself. He's confident in what he brings to the team. And he knows that his gift is community and love and support and being everyone's hype man while also being his own hype man um both rules as a character so well done rebel rules great comment completely agree like i don't i don't know if i can name a show on television in uh, the adult realm or in the kids realm that has a better relationship with masculinity than this show like it is unbelievable how good this show is at dealing with healthy masculinity completely completely a huge 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 accomplishment yay all right we, yay. we got our next one here uh skipping ahead a little bit um this is from a deleted user uh it's horde prime is a hottie and then three little emojis <laughs> with hard eyes you got it thanks so thanks, a lot Connor. of people seem to have like Really big uh, attachments to Horde Prime. I got to ask, what are your thoughts? (laughs) I mean... (laughs) What a sigh. I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you. (laughs) There are lots of things. uh, (laughs) There are lots of things on my gravestone. Anyways, Um, RIP Jocelyn, there are lots of things. Um, I would say that like... Hordak, his whole... Okay, two things about this. You have to understand that I have had a long, long long-standing joke with my beloved partner, the one, the only, John Blair. Oh, amazing. um, Check him out. He's such a good About (laughs) Hordak. Because Hordak in the original series, his whole thing was about transformation. And so we saw an episode where Hordak just blasted himself off into the sky. And Hordak, in his rocket ship formation looks a lot like a penis so we have this long joke of like hordak blasting off into the sky going no one call me a dick and then everyone on the ground just like well now that you say that and then he turns around and is like what who said that <laughs> don't i'll hear you all right here i go they're like i mean but it is and he's like no unacceptable so i watching hordak in the back of my mind i'm like well, no one call him a dick. Um, it, <laughs> there are lots of kinds in conclusion. <laughs> what do you two think? I, I think it was it was a choice to go from the last question about healthy masculinity to this question. Just the, a supreme <laughs> asshole. Just what a dick. I will say, I will say, I love Ward Prime as a as a final villain and like the oh, concept of and like, his reveal. His reveal is, is terrifying. Awesome. Like going from Hordak, who was scary but like starting to reduce in fear and in favor of Catra, to then like immediately hit you with this Horde Prime character who is just like, oh, by the way, I'm way more powerful than everyone here. Was awesome. Hot though Very. was at no point a thought that went through my head. I wasn't like, oh man, this is both evil and sexy. 
Yeah, I've never liked evil men characters no. ever. Like, I've never had a crush on the evil men character. I'm always like, what about this nice one over here? But the quiet one, <laughs> he doesn't like say much. Yeah, yeah. There are the people in, you know, growing up watching Buffy, there are the people who like Angel, and there are people who like Oz. Oz is secretly the best character. Oz. He's the best he of is, the male characters by some margin. He totally is. Yeah. Happy masculinity. <laughs> by a, Yes, confident, knows himself, not going to bite you. All of these things are great. Um, so, yeah. I mean, once a month. Precious on Hordak Prime. Yeah, yeah, well, you're right. Once a month. Yeah. If you're lucky. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> a valiant attempt. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, evil men aren't that sexy as no, far as this cohort thinks. Don't be evil. Yes, Ike. Don't be evil. Be, just be cool. Don't be evil. Just be cool. Um, all right, great. Uh, okay, so this brings us to our next question about a, another character we haven't mentioned at all, uh, played by the incredible Gina Davis. Um, <gasps> Huntara and Adora should have been endgame. Also by deleted. These people deleting their accounts. I didn't delete this one. <laughs> I love the idea of like, all of these Catra. people jumping onto Reddit. <laughs> yeah, either you going around with your glitter bag or just everyone going onto the internet and being like, well, this one's far too spicy for me to stay. <laughs> I'll say it and then I'm out of here. <laughs> no one They'll can know what me. I've done. Yeah, like kind of the equivalent of a fun piece of graffiti that's kind of nice. Like someone tagging a house with have a nice day. <laughs> Running for Don't it. Get me. <laughs> um, I disagree with this comment. Huntara and Adora are not endgame. They have completely different lived experiences. Huntara deserves someone her own age who has experienced similar things or who maybe has not experienced similar things, but can appreciate what Huntara uniquely has been through um, in living in the wastes for some time. Um, here's what Huntara's endgame should be. She should get on a softball team with her little sister <laughs> and tear it up in the waist. And when she's and done that- not give it up. And near the end of it, her little sister's gonna come running into home plate towards her and she's gonna stand her ground. But then get knocked over and all of a sudden a ball falls out. And then Did they both get into purpose? a convertible and they go off on a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> That's the movie and I like that she's on. Island. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're more they're more like buddies. They're they're Huntara and Adora are like j jolly competitors. I do like that there is a yeah. moment where you're like, oh, I think Adora has a crush oh, on her, which is when, fun because you don't often get to see that in character. When Huntara first shows up, Adora's eyes are like, like super into it. I am also way into that. I feel like there aren't enough crushes in yeah. shows. Like, you know, we all have we all have romantic partners or people that we're like super interested in having a relationship with. Um, but we also have crushes and having crushes is normal and fun. It's fun to see characters exploring that. So Adora just being like, turns out this is the vibe I'm into is a fun character beat that I love. <laughs> yeah, like Bo when he it meets doesn't need to be a full relationship. When Bo meets Seahawk, yes, he's completely. like, oh, I love this guy. It's yeah. so cute. Completely, completely. Yeah, Adora just has a thing for like aggressive women. women. Yeah. <laughs> likes yes, likes yes. tough chicks. Respect. <laughs> Good for her. Oh, absolutely. Adora's whole thing is like, I do like to have my hair neatly in a ponytail, but... You don't have to. It shouldn't. <laughs> do you want to pull on that ponytail? Because it seems like it do. So 
So, I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's for you to do to me, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Steph and I were talking about this earlier, but um, it should be noted that the reason that half of these questions are about relationships and or characters is because this is the horniest fandom. It's such a horny fandom. And I bless them and their... Like, the fan art of this fandom is so beautiful and so raunchy sometimes. And I, I'm in it for, like, the sweet, the sweet stuff. Which there is a lot of as There's well. There's a it's lot of like as hardcore well. porn to be Yeah, clear. like, this, I will point out, this this beautiful <laughs> little thing is by Fresnel. She's a Toronto uh, fan artist. Really talented. And there's a lot of really beautiful stuff. But then some of it is just, like, Katra going to town on Adora. And it's like, oh, that's not what I was hoping for. I wanted to cuddle. I want a sweet little cuddle. I've never seen that. How, how Kaya, deep are you going? Kaya, I follow a lot of hashtags. Okay, on we'll Instagram. talk about this after. Anyway, let's go to the next opinion. What do y'all think about the new human? Chris Siddiqui, thank you for asking. <gasps> Have not watched Chris more than Siddiqui, an episode. Great question. I started the second episode, I got nervous about it. But then Andy Hull, our friend of ours, was like, nah, keep going. I was like, okay, I will. Jocelyn, have you seen it? I have not seen it yet. However, I have heard incredible things about what the show does. Um, I will also quote wonderful Andy Hull, who I like to paraphrase him. I believe his comments are like when a certain type of person devotes their reaction to a show to being like, it's not exactly the same as when I was a child, <laughs> then, you know, it's probably doing something good. Yes. Like anytime the criticism is like, it's not a Xerox. <laughs> I, I feel reasonably certain that I'll find something to like. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what I think. So thanks those angry folks out on the Internet. Uh, for making me interested in a new show. Yeah. Also, yes, that's true. To those angry folks in the internet, I can't stress enough how gay your favorite hero is. Like the gay community embraced him years ago, so just like he's been a gay probably, icon forever. Like he he wears short shorts. Just probably just like embrace the change, bud. <laughs> yes. Come completely. It just feels like a weird thing to get possessive of. <laughs> yes. Next, you'll tell me that I can't listen to my favorite band, The Village People. <laughs> Skeletor, a bit? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> that was you more know, Soft Skeletor? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if Skeletor's favorite band was The Village People. I like this band. <laughs> I, I like, like their style. I, I like that. And the YMCA. I gotta get a hat like that. I do a shitty Skeletor. Anyway, okay. Next opinion. <laughs> One that we touched on a little earlier, but let's get into it again. Bo is trans. I don't meet the rules. That's from Charlie420UWUN Reddit. <laughs> Wait, what? A, okay, first of all, this username, Charlie420. It begs a lot of <laughs> Very cute. I love weed and I love being cute. And the chocolate um, factory that I own now, whatever. <laughs> Listen, I'm a child entrepreneur, I'm cuckoo for weed. I'm cute as the dickens. Uh, I mean, it makes sense to me because if Willy Wonka left you a chocolate factory, there is for sure a deleted scene of him opening another door and being like, and this is my weed jungle. Ooh, little Oompa Loompas. <laughs> this is how I really make my money. Why do you think the snozberries taste so much like snozberries? <laughs> You're high. <laughs> um, uh, I think my, my interpretation, and I might be incorrect, is I believe that Bo was canonically confirmed to be trans mask I, but i might also be wrong and it might be that that it is left open to interpretation my reading of the show is that Bo is a trans male yes 
There's uh, there has been some debate about this from what I understand from what Noelle Stevenson has said is they didn't originally think of that or they would have cast a trans mask actor. Um, that was uh-huh, that was uh-huh. their their official statement Which on they it. They did for another character who is a trans. Man. Yes, but what they did say is they love the interpretation of it. That in another world they would have been very happy to do that, and that if people want to read it that way, they are the, in full support of it because it makes a lot of sense. And I see why a lot of uh-huh. people I uh, see what a lot of people are behind it. And I know I personally am absolutely. Though I do love that he's a cis man with that sort of positive masculinity aspect to it uh, because I think it really expands masculinity in that way. I think that there's, uh, you know, someone who was raised in our society, uh, not uh, masculine or not as a man, um, still having that healthy masculinity, or sorry, people who are raised in society, not as a man, I think have a different view of masculinity and that sometimes. Take on it. Yeah. sometimes. Uh, and I think the fact that he could be a cis man is quite beautiful that he still in this world, in Etheria, uh, is so positive. Yeah. And so giving and so non-toxic. But Jocelyn, that's how you read it as well, right? It is, but I, but I, I love what you're saying. And I feel like that's a very good decision on the part of the creative team to be like, yeah, you know, had that been something that we had baked into the concept from the beginning, this would have informed our casting choices, but it is there for you. If that is, if, if that is your interpretation of Bo. So either way, I feel like there's something for all of us, especially because it's like there are other trans and non-binary characters on the show. So like, I think it would be difficult if it was like, is there a trans character? We don't know, but but maybe, but kind of hopefully you can infer, which is always the problem with every show in history. It's like, we'll dangle this tiny thing and then someone will have to come out at the last minute to be like, you were wrong to think that. Yeah. Um, All this by way of saying that this approach is great. Yeah, 100%. And I think uh, there's a lot of people who read into various different things. Like I've heard lots of different ideas that like Perfuma is a trans person and like um, Mermista is trans, like a bunch of different uh, sort of interpretations of it. And I say that's great. Like if there are people you see yourself in, regardless of how they were born, that's fucking awesome. I mean, when I was a little trans mask kid, Best I had was Spider-Man. That was that sense. As good as I could do, I was like, there's a soft boy in tights. Love it. Um, and <laughs> now we have this this cornucopia thing. So I say good good job for the whole show. Okay, this is the last one that we found from a very specific user. Um, uh, that is, Kyle is secretly one of the best characters. This is from at Kaya Green. <laughs> Uh, just now. What's funny is, <laughs> at Kaya Green's not even my handle. I have my at own the handle Kaya Green. <laughs> what Thoughts? a twist. Thoughts on Kyle. Thoughts on sweet, sweet I Kyle. I love Kyle. But your thoughts. I love Kyle. I love Kyle. It's just a correct thing about the dynamic of any group of kids. That there's always one kid. It, almost like the Thompson in Gravity Falls. Who everyone's like, Kyle. And Kyle's like, oh, don't. Guys. Oh, help. <laughs> the Ky- I think I love the Kyle because I'm the Kyle we're in most places. Like, oh, why I like him. Yeah, where everyone's the Kyle. Like, I can't think of a, a you know, a sporting class in my entire youth slash adolescence 
where it wasn't like, don't kick the ball to Jocelyn. And I was like, don't kick the ball to me. And then someone would. And I'd be like, why did you do that? And we would lose. And everyone would be like, Jocelyn. And I was like, you know who I am. I'm not pretending I'm not the Kyle. Years from now, that term will have resonance. So Everyone's like, what are you talking about? You keep yelling, I'm the Kyle. And no one knows what that means. Stupid. You really took a run at the high jump equipment, knocked the entire thing over. And yes, that is a thing that actually happened. Oh, no. And then stood up and screamed, I'm the cut. <laughs> yeah, my high jump strategy was really like, you know how you're supposed to do what is frankly impossible. And like you run up super and fast and then you turn your body around. What are you talking about? No how? Way. And then throw your body through space. What are you a bullet? Unacceptable. And somehow land without hitting this thing. This is not physically possible. <laughs> and I don't care how many gymnasts have successfully done it. So Agreed. I, using this brush to demonstrate, <laughs> we're just going to be like, <laughs> in this uh, scenario, I sort of threw my body forward. I knocked straight into the pole, landed on my face on the mat. And I looked over and I saw one of the big stands wobble <laughs> and fall. And then the other one wobble and fall. And I don't even think I apologized. I think I got up and I was like, well, you're lucky. That's all that happened. <laughs> I hope you like I'm stuck the <laughs> big bow. If you think about it, a zero is a 10. That's just missing a piece. <laughs> you know, that jump was the one glitter out of 10, meaning minimal glitter, which means good. <laughs> <laughs> we have to talk to you about your daughter. She keeps giving herself one glitter out of ten and then telling us that she's Kyle. We're scared for her. We think she might be living in approximately 2018. We're not entirely certain. Uh, <laughs> I'm quantum leaping. I'm the Kyle. Just running in circles, yelling, I'm quantum leaping. <laughs> confidently strutting hither thither and yon <laughs> she feels good about herself at the very least we could say that <laughs> she's confident and we like that <laughs> it's a real scorpio vibe happening look we're all the kyle that's what this show's so beautiful for you know we're all the damn kyle absolutely jocelyn very final question because we've talked so much longer than we normally talk breath. this is the best uh, if someone was about to start She-Ra for the very first time, what advice would you give them? I would say um, go go into it the same way you should go into any piece of art um, with with a completely open heart um, and be prepared to see a lot of yourself in in what you watch Um and and the other piece of advice I would give is share it with a special kid in your life, not because you need to be a kid to watch this show, but this would be a great show to watch with a kid that you love when you want to spark deep discussions about identity, anxiety, how to fit in, what happens when you don't fit in, how to communicate with others, how to get through difficulty with friends, um, how to assert yourself, all of these things. It's a great conversation starter wrapped up in a delightful rainbow colored, stupendously queer package. <laughs> that is what I would say.
Oh, but I can't I can't think of a better way to put it. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> Yay. Wow. Jocelyn, thank you so much. Hope you had fun. This was absolutely the I best. I had the best time. Everyone, this was just a reasonable amount of glitter all the way down. <laughs> I feel absolutely thrilled to have quantum leaped into this moment in time with all of you. Um, I hope that everyone listening and watching this, um, uh, I hope that you all rate everything with glitter from this point forwards. Whether Never you know again. what that means or not. We don't. Uh, <laughs> you decide. That's a bigger glitter. Okay, uh, Justin, where can everybody find you? Well, if you have children, you can find some of my work on Apple's The Snoopy Show. I am a writer on that show. I also have some fun projects that I cannot talk about yet um, coming out that um, mean the world to me. So um, keep an eye peeled. I will hopefully be able to talk about those soon. And then you can always find me on my podcast. I hate it, but I love it. Talk about things that we love and hate, like the never-ending story and the deep angst I have about it to this day. Um, and most recently, uh, we're doing a baseball month, so you can join us talking about things like Major League and The Natural um, and Field of Dreams. It's a lot of fun, and uh, I tell a lot of embarrassing stories on it. So if you enjoyed hearing about me <laughs> destroying an entire high jump, well... Buckle up, I guess. <laughs> also, many of the things that we mentioned in this episode, including Big, uh, do get discussed in great, in great detail. Um, Dawson's Creek, it's true. Highly recommend. It's a phenomenal podcast. Very, uh, very good. Absolutely. Please check it out. Uh, yeah, it got me through some Thank surgical so recovery. Uh, I would maybe oh, have gone insane you. if it weren't for that podcast. So please go check it out. <laughs> I hate it, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. wherever you get your podcast. Absolutely. Um, it's true. Steph, where can they reach you? Uh, please reach out to us. Uh, follow us. Compliment us. Uh, don't insult us, please. We're so delicate. Um, you can find us on social media. I'm at Stephanie with a PH underscore Malik, M-A-L-E-K. Uh, I just learned today that I'm at the Kaya Green. <laughs> because <laughs> apparently I don't know that. And you can uh, find the gatekeeper <laughs> if you want to find him at at Philip Demas. Um, this show runs every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Um, our next episode will be gymnastics um with with nikasi ogbona and allison haynes we're very excited because we don't know a goddamn thing about I gymnastics other than Simone, oh, Simone Biles is the queen which is obviously something we'll, we'll be discussing next week yes uh um, oh man i feel bad for saying that gymnastics was impossible <laughs> i mean it is to most <laughs> of us moments ago. gymnastics is hard i mean it is impossible that's what makes it fun to be a fan of it 100 <laughs> percent, because it makes no sense at all. No, absolutely not. Uh, a reminder, we can't do any of this without your support. So please consider supporting this show by buying a virtual ticket at www.baddogtheater.com forward slash the fandom show. Uh, the theme you heard is Sparkle Mountain by Andrew Wong. Tech is by Connor Lowe. Uh, Bumpers by Sean Murray. This is produced by Bad Dog Theater and Cardboard Sword Collective. That's us. Uh, for a full list of upcoming episodes, which right now is only one left. Uh, please visit baddogtheater.com forward slash the fandom show. And remember, love what you love and please tell everyone about it because it's the best. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great night. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.